being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. That's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. Back in the winner's column, baby. Thunder down under Chargers football podcast. Fresh off the win in Houston, your host Andy, right here. Joined as always by Alistair Lloyd and Jack Reed in Melbourne for the first yeah. time in a while. I'm Good here. To have you in I'm your here. Home state, mate. Yes. Yep, I'm here yes. waiting waiting for the uh, wedding tomorrow, which we're all going to be at. So there might be some Twitter spam uh, with all for the three amigos together. But before we go, Andy, I've just got something to show you and I've got something to say. Happy birthday, mate. Happy birthday to one of my dearest friends. Well, Thank we you. celebrated that, or you celebrated that a couple of days ago. Just thought I'd get that in straight off. So, happy, happy birthday, birthday, buddy. We'll celebrate Thank tomorrow. Thank you, fellas. Long and yeah. hard and fast. I'll, I'll steal a bit of the wedding couple's thunder just to have a celebratory for, for myself, turning the big 33. I was excited to turn Derwin James's number, but now I'm Dean Leonard, and I've got things to look forward to. Uh, back on track. Back on track. Alistair, how are you, mate? Excited for I'm the weekend right now? Oh yeah, mate! Can't wait. We're one of our very best friends in the world, Nico, and his lovely bride-to-be, Sarah, and uh, getting married at the same venue that I'll be getting married at. Strangely enough, in a couple of months, so a bit of a dress rehearsal. Um, being a guest at, the, at a wedding, I'll be a groom at later in the year. Can't wait. Really looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, very much looking forward to it. Well, gents, thanks for being here with me again to go through this last week. I take it we're all obviously feeling a little bit better off the win. Nothing perfect by any stretch, but it has satiated certainly myself for the time being, and I'm sure plenty of other fans after our week three debacle. But one week at a time, right? We can only do what we can do on any given Sunday. On the show today, obviously a recap from our week four bout against the Texans. Uh, a little special bit of teaching gear thrown in from our very own Molder of the Mines, Jack. Uh, a couple of awards that Alistair and I will give out, just a bit of fun from the game. And then a full-scale preview of the Week 5 contest against the Cleveland Browns at First Energy Stadium this coming Sunday. As always, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, if you're new, welcome to TDU. Crack a beer. Get stuck in with the three of us boys from down under, pouring our heart and soul into the LA Chargers. If you're on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe to our channel. Uh, and if you're on the audio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however... Please take a moment to rate the show, uh, and if you wouldn't mind, give a quick review of our channel. Uh, it helps us a lot, and we much appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Um, and obviously, you'll get notified uh, when a new episode is out, like this one. All right, back to week four. Los Angeles Chargers 34, Houston Texans 24. Yee-hoo! If there were concerns that the Bolts would kick things off where they left them in week three, the Chargers' first offensive series of the game struck a light right through that. Forcing a timeout by Houston on just the third play of the game, only for Mack to stunt inside on the rush and force Davis Mills to lob an interception to Nas Adderley. Three plays later, Chargers up 
Gerald Everett receiving a tidy 18-yard pass as he half-mossed rookie Jalen Petrie. Uh, then a real Tai Long-esque effort by had-been perfect kicker Kaimi Febben ensured the score would stay at 7-zip at the first break. Now after a quarter of near negative yardage on the ground, Joshua Kelly, just before quarter time, uh, was introduced and made an immediate shift to the Chargers ground game. Finally. Uh, a brilliantly balanced and executed drive resulting in Austin Eckler and the Chargers first, first rushing TD on the season from the 11 yard, yard, la, 11 yard line on second and five. The man with the hot hand kept the legs churning, notching his second score on the following drive. 20 minutes into the game and the bolts are up 21-0. The Texans replied drive sending Chargers fans draws to the floor. For the second week, on, uh, an opposing running back has gashed the Los Angeles defense for a huge score on the ground. This week, it was rookie Damian Pierce for 75 yards. Not good. Consecutive field goals for the Chargers, the second off the back of another max sack attack. This time on fourth and one, saw a turnover on downs and the Chargers lead at the half 27 to seven. What happened in the third quarter felt a little bit like the scene missing in uh, uh, Homer's night out from The Simpsons. <laughs> Drop catches, questionable offensive personnel in parts, dull and conservative play calling in a sort of attempt to not lose the game rather than bury the opponent. Uh, not only that, but on the rewatch on Game Pass, we just lost the third quarter. So scene was missing, indeed. Uh, nevertheless, Chargers held off a 17-point unanswered surge by the Houston Texans. The game ceiling drive heavily featuring the man of the hour, the much-desired return to form from number 30, Austin Eckler with a diving red zone effort to hit the pylon, notching up his first receiving and the and third total TV, TD for the game. Washed Chargers apparently. now move... Huh? Washed, apparently. Char Chargers now move to... 500 on the season, trending positive as Coach Staley would say. The Texans deserve some credit. They do have bite, and honestly aren't as crap as I thought they'd be. That said, still the only winless team in the league through four weeks. 419 yards total for the Chargers, 81 of them on the ground. Nice to see from 26 last week. Jack, I'm really excited to get into your teachable moment, but first run us through one of your big takeaways from this win. Well, a big takeaway for a big man, and I think we all know where I'm going with this one. It was the debut of Jamari Salia at left tackle. And boy, oh boy, wow we! How exciting was it to see him out there. Uh, going against Jerry Hughes, a formidable pass rusher, perhaps a couple of years ago. Might have lost a step or two, but still, um, still quality, quality opposition. So Salia was not going against a wash. Fantastic. Probably the best debut from a Charger I can actually almost remember, other than maybe his uh, the man he was replacing, Slater, last year. Alistair, what do you reckon? If you squint just hard enough at Slater or have eyes with the script of my brother or you, Jack, it almost looks like Solia. And that's mm. what it was like out there. He was just incredible. Zero pressures, according to PFF. And on the rewatch, he just looked so comfortable, didn't he, guys? It was, mm. uh, I've done this before. I've seen it in the SEC. Um, this moment is not too big for me. My coaches mm. have set me up to succeed. And we might have just found a guy who can play tackle in the future. Now, it's one week. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. But the debut could not have gone any better, in my opinion. I agree. Oh. And 
for a, for a guy that 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 looks the way that he is, he doesn't necessarily look like a physical specimen, but man, he can move and he's got fast, fast feet. And when he gets hold of you, that's he's doesn't not letting move. go. Love it. Another so, point, I guess. I'll oh, say you go, Annie. I was just going to say, don't overlook the value of Herbert feeling comfortable in the pocket. You know, not only was zero pressures from 41 pass blocking snaps from Salia, but four total QB pressures given up by our offensive line. Awesome for a guy with a an injury, a limiting injury. Um, fantastic. Play on Alistair. What were you going to say, mate? No, it was a good good addition. The offensive line in general was terrific, um, with maybe one exception, which we'll discuss a little later. Uh, I think it's worth acknowledging a good game overall, although you mentioned some issues in the third quarter, from Joe Lombardi as a play caller. I thought this is where he was, he felt like he was in a groove and it did seem like we knew how they wanted to defend us and you saw some RPO early play action hitting guys that were wide open for the first time in ages. Like, I have not seen that kind of separation through the first three weeks, whereas in this one, you look on the rewatch and there are receivers wide open down the field. That The noticeable one was the Mike Williams throw, that kind of cover three beater early on in the game for about 50 yards. And then the timing to follow that up with a draw play, Austin Eckler just scurrying for over 20 yards for a touchdown. That is good play calling. Um, yeah. The average depth of, depth of target was still around that seven and a half. But when you watched it, we were attacking them where we needed to attack them. And I thought it was a good, good game called by Smoke and Joe. Yeah, they looked like they were vibing a lot more. Just It just looked a lot more natural and less forced than last week. Great to see. Mm. Um, oh, look, for me, that's two, two of my um, really big uh, points on the game. I actually was pretty impressed with Jerry Tillery. Um, we give him a fair bit of heat. That sack and force fumble was, was great. It's good to see he's got it. Um, and, you know, guys are stepping up in the absence of, of Joey Bosa. Um, like I said earlier, Improvement on the run game. The commitment to the run game was uh, encouraging. As you said, there was just play calling and a few personnel queries. Um, Sony Michelle at the start of the third was just a real head scratcher. Uh, considering that you know Josh Kelly started to have a hot hand and Eckler was starting to fire too after that um, slow start in the first quarter. Uh, Jack, what about you? Yeah, same thing. I think there are two people that I want to mention. Uh, and they're ridiculously good, but they're just so consistent. We talk about Jerry Tillery having a good game. We've seen flashes like that before. We've seen him have games like this. You know, there's a C word in Australia that we use all the time, uh, and that's four letters. But for in this this time, what T Tillery needs to focus on is he needs to focus on consistency. Um, that's the big C word that he has to uh, to focus on. He's got to get that pass rush. He's got to stop the run. Two guys that I wanted to mention on the All-22 when I was watching it and how ludicrously good they are is Derwin James and Khalil Mack. Derwin James and Khalil Mack are, have changed... Having them on the field consistently has changed the look of this defense. Khalil Mack setting the edge, getting to the passer... He doesn't rush with the aggressiveness and the passion that perhaps Bosa does, but that's why yeah. perhaps Khalil Mack is on the field more than Bosa. Uh, but Derwin James, he's everywhere. Put him back, mm. put him at the line, put him out in coverage. The guy is making game-saving plays. Even if he's not around the ball, he's at least taking an angle or taking up space that would be the pass or the lane. So incredible, incredible game from those two. Yeah, and how about the return of Corey Lindsley, Jack? 
how what a difference it makes, the anchor of that line, the confidence it probably gives Zion to his right, Filer to his left, Sawyer feeling confident he's got veterans next to him, and, and the return of Mike Williams. Mm. You know, it seems to be sporadic. Every mm. couple of weeks he goes off for 100 plus yards, and he gave the rookie Derek Stingley a lesson in what it takes to play the pros. So that they were a couple of really good efforts. Maybe some things we found a little more difficult um, that we can touch on. So we mentioned we've now had a couple of games in a row with you know rushing touchdowns of 50-plus yards. Um, and also don't forget that Kansas City had a, a massive gainer on us too late in the game. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire getting to the outside. On the rewatch, it looked like there was plenty of blame to be shared for this one. A bit of Chris Rumpf, a bit of Nissi Adelief taking the wrong angle to the ball. Derwin got well blocked by the fullback. Um, it's, it's an interesting one because apart from that, we've been defending the run reasonably well. It seems like the enforcements we brought in in Austin Johnson and SJD are actually working. But it's just one of those things that we're getting gashed for a big one. Are you, do you guys see, see that as being an ongoing issue? Or do you have confidence that we're going to be able to plug that gap and stop this starting this week against Charbandy? Um, it seems to be... Well, look, this is, this is the biggest hurdle. Uh, that we'll face with Chubb and Hunt. Um, mm. Both have an absolute nose for the end zone and just an ability to blow games open. Um, they've really, for me, kept their offense in the game far more than Jacoby Brissett has. Uh, we'll get into <clears throat> all the Browns in a little bit, but it's a huge test. Uh, I would have backed Chubb to have a massive run touchdown on us ahead of Pierce and uh, James Robinson. So... Me too. Look, we will be singing the house down if it doesn't happen. Um, but it's a big... It's got to be a massive improvement in a short amount of time. Jack, what do you think? What do you think the, the key might be to that? Is it is it personnel? Is it play recognition? Because especially on the Robinson one, you know, the three... Um, DB's got caught inside, couldn't communicate to each other as to who was going to take a block and who was actually going to attack the ball carrier, and you ended up with three guys taking blocks and a gap, and then yep. daylight. Um, so what do you what do you think it is, Jack? Well, this is uh, that's a great segue because that was actually one of my teachable moments. It's as you uh, as you alluded to, Alistair. It's it, it's happened against KC. It's happened against Jacksonville, and it's now happened against Houston, where we're giving up this giant big gash run play at a quite important part of the game too. They, they're, they're quite integral parts of the game. They're not early. They're not late. They just seem to happen when the game's in the balance. Um, so I think I like to call Chubb and Hunt Chunt. Um, so I guess the, um, the, the test of Chunt is going to be quite difficult. On re-watching them, because it's a teachable moment, it's uh, Staley alluded to again in his press conferences that um, uh, that it's they're quite different. He said that the Houston uh, gash was a lot more like the Kansas City one, and the Jacksonville one is sort of standing by itself. So I don't necessarily know what the adjustment would be. Perhaps it's playing less aggressively in when you see a jumbo set. But for for me, that's a teachable moment. Uh, let's not let it happen again. Fool me once, fool me twice, fool me thrice. Let's not happen again. The other teachable moment I had is, can we please not get beaten with another seam route over the top? This is a cover two defense. We should not be giving these plays up. JC Jackson, it's happened to you twice, and your coach has come out 
and defended you twice and put it on Nazir Adderley. Now, on the watch, as you said, Alistair, it does look like there's some coverage issues at, at, the, at the top. But let's not have another Mac Hollins um, or another one of those big receivers in the same. I know it's one of the weaknesses of the defense, but those are two things we've got to focus on. Let's not you, let them happen again. Are you worried about JC Jackson? That was actually one of my questions, and no, I'm not. No, not at all. I'm not worried at all. I think let's give him... Um, you wrote a great article on Bolts from the Blue Alistair about um, the recovery from the heel. So no, I'm not. Give the guy some time. He's in a new... He's in a new... Um, is it a new team? Give him time. He's fine. Yeah, that's poking the bear, and I like it, Jack. Um, it's just... Got to be reasonable. If anyone has a procedure, it doesn't matter how invasive it is or not. There's always lengths of healing time, potential complications that arise from it. Like, it'll be what it'll be. Um, yeah, it was kind of hard to watch him chase uh, down Damien Pierce on that run and almost just sort of pack it in with five yards to go. Um, just kind of seemed like he was going for it and I don't know if he pulled up lame from that, but looked a bit ginger getting about. Um, I just think it's kind of normal. I'm not concerned so long as, you know, even if we need to sit him a game, I don't know. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if it's going to look after him going forward. Um, Mm. And I think he's going to improve once he gets back feeling good, you know, feel good, play good. I know. I know we're all really, you know, urgent in wanting to see and impatient in wanting to see him deliver. We, we are so excited about all the picks he's had, 25 picks and we, signed to a five-year deal, just be patient. He has had a surgery. He's finding his feet. If this is still happening week 12, week 13, then maybe we're starting to have a different conversation. But now I'm feeling okay. One thing I felt like addressing was a learning I took from the coach's film. Because I got awfully frustrated watching the game and seeing the same old routine of blow a lead or don't play as well in the second half. And I was thinking about, you know, is it our coaches? Do they not know how to make adjustments? On the rewatch, I really thought this, this week was a bit more on, the, on players executing mm. and a couple of personnel things other than scheme. So I know, Kev, Diego, you asked, did our defense suddenly start playing soft coverages? I don't think so at all. I thought there were a couple of execution issues. Nazir Adderley, when he was a single high, gave up the deep catch. And then the other touchdown, Burkhead, they just schemed that up well, where they mm. tricked our defensive backs to get them moving in one direction, and no one was covering Burkhead, covering the, the other way in the flat. That's, that's a player ownership issue, in my opinion. And then from Lombardi's perspective, I actually thought we started the second half the way you should. You've got a 20-point lead. It's okay to run the ball. Gerald Everett has a critical drop on third and four, the very first drive of the second half. That that makes a big difference to your momentum and the start of that second half. All of a sudden, you're punting. And I did think the personnel was questionable. I would have preferred to see Kelly in the game at that stage than Michelle. But there were, you know, Mike Williams almost has a deep catch on a third down. Justin Herbert just overshoots him. I wasn't so concerned about the play calling personally. Is that how you saw it, Jack, as well, when you watched the game? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it was bizarre watching it on Game Pass. All of it, the, the third quarter just skips to the fourth quarter. So mm. the only way I was able to watch the third quarter was on the 40-minute. And, and I actually thought I wrote in my notes here that I actually quite liked 
how Lombardi called that that first offensive drive, and it was the and it's not just a it's not it's not, it's not a hard catch from Gerald Everett, right? It's a no. pretty mundane, simple catch. He's got at least three yards of space. Um, and you're right; those are those are on schedule, uh, schemed completions that just keep an offense rolling. So I, you alluded to it and you connected to it at the start of the podcast. I, I thought um, Lombardi had a really good game. But let me throw a question back to you, Alistair, because you have been looking at this guy the last couple of weeks. Um, why is Matt Filer's grade so low? Why, what's going on? Because he is glaringly in PFF, in all these grades that we keep looking at, he is, he's in the 20s and 30s. So what is going on? Is this a fall from grace? Is it a veteran that's struggling with an injury? What's happening? Look, I've been aligned with PFF's grading for him through the first three weeks. I thought he really struggled against KC and against Jacksonville. He's giving up five pressures, six pressures. No qualms. This week, I thought the grade was too harsh. What's he graded in the 40s or something like that? Yeah, uh, yeah 44. There, I believe, yeah. And 39 for pass blocking. He gave up one pressure, and it wasn't a sack. It was a hurry. And I watch every single snap of his... Overall, it looked like there was, the pocket was clean in pass protection. He stuffed up a couple of times out in space. There was a screen pass to Austin Eckler mm, where yeah. he should have blown up the defender and he missed it. There was also a toss to Austin Eckler where he pulled and he was out in space and he really got lost and actually tripped over and fell over. Other than that, I mean, I thought he was our worst performer on the line, but not 44, like you failed the test, get off the field kind of thing. I thought our offensive line gave up four pressures for the entire game. Yeah. So I actually thought this week's performance was a step in the right direction for Filer. And uh, if it's a new O-line coach thing, um, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Could just be in bad form. But Staley addressed it today and said it's not a physical thing. He's not playing injured. Um, mm. Let's back him in. He's been a good signing. I agree. He's been a good signing. Andy. All uh, right. Here we go. Andy, I've got I'm to throw you up. Yeah, go for it, his, his name rhymes with yours. And that's handy Michael Bandy. What do we think? We're here. He got two catches. What do, what do you reckon? Yeah. <clears throat> Loved it. Um, I would be... I uh, don't want to jump negative straight away. Two catches, 45 yards. He got open, caught the ball, did great. It was awesome to see. If the game was in a slightly different situation, the context was different. I think we were up something silly at the time when he took those two catches just before halftime, if I'm correct, uh, you don't fall back in bounds. With no. the clock where it was, you've got to go out of bounds. And that's maybe he, maybe he assessed the, the, time of, the time of the game and where, the position that we were in and thought, oh, bugger it, I'll just give it a go. Uh, got no extra yardage um, and also kept the clock running. We had to burn a timeout, which left us only one, probably, yeah, you know, a little bit inhibitive. But other than that, look... Did great. I didn't notice him do anything bad in run blocking or anything. Probably wasn't even on the field for that. So, yeah, happy to see that, Jack. What about you? You've been all over handy bandy. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, bang it, I bang in the desk for him. I agree. I think you're probably a half glass full there. I think that's a rookie error, jumping back in bounds and thinking I'm going to make yeah. a play. But I think without Keenan Allen, we don't have another gadget guy that seems to find the folds in the defense. He just seems to pop up. He's this weird size and shape. He's small. Um, and whether defenders are focusing on Mike Williams or they're focusing on Gerald Everett, he's going to be open. And I thought maybe in the season proper, nah, he'll be covered. He won't find that. The the opposition are going to have defensive schemes that he's never seen before and it's a little bit more fluid. But 
he's found him, and he's that's that first catch that he made wide open. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but the footwork as well—that's not—that's not easy to do. He—it was—it was—it was going out of bounds, and he got those feet down. So I'm just glad he got put back on the practice squad today. I hope he gets elevated for um, for this week because I just love seeing him out there. What a great news story! Yeah, yeah I've cool. got a toughy. I've got a question. I'm going to put you both. Maybe Jack, you can start. And it's really getting to the heart of I think what a lot of Chargers fans have been thinking and complaining about. I've never heard more people complain after a win. I've just got to say, take the <laughs> really like enjoy the wins, guys. Agreed. Just like Monday should feel good. Like I know it's the Texans. We won by two scores as well. Like just enjoy these moments, Chargers fans. We've got to enjoy the good moments. But here's my question: okay. We've now seen a, a season and four games of the Brandon Staley regime. Do you think with the roster we have at the moment that the Chargers coaching staff are giving this team a competitive advantage against opposition? Or do you actually think they're holding the talent on this roster back? Or somewhere in between. So this, what's your evaluation of this staff? Are they actually getting the best out of this roster? Or are you not very impressed with these coaches? Uh, good question. I think I covered this a little bit last week when I said I think Brandon Staley is getting the most out of the defense. The defense has improved, even though the numbers might not suggest it. They look different at the eye test, and I'm really happy with how they're playing. I think the defense has got a a very high ceiling. Um, Offensively, if it wasn't for Joe's game or Lombardi's play calling uh, this against Houston... I would probably be more, I feel like he's holding them back. But man, you've lost your left tackle. You've lost Keenan Allen. Herbert's got ribs. You've lost Jalen Guyton. Listen, like anything, we can't be so, like in the world that we live in today, we're so quick to go, nah, cut ties, that's it, done, see you later. Like just give you, give yourselves firstly and give other people a break. When you start a new job, you've got to give yourself 18 to 24 months to really feel it. If you walk into most jobs and go, actually, I don't like it in day one, and you leave, you'll never, you'll never stick to anything. So I think um, we've just got to be patient. Herbert's young. The team's in a good position. Just be a little bit more positive. No, I, no, I think, I think we're trending in the positive. We're growing each week. Same thing with Herbert. And same, like, look at SJD's development. Yeah. They're, they're growing. They're getting better. Um, Podcasting. I hate this shit. I hope I like it by next season. Um, but okay, maybe that's a good way. I'll, I'll throw in a devil's advocate We're as we pass. I'm not forcing you to do it, man. No, no, no. Um, as I pass to you, Andy, so that's Jack's put some great points there. One little devil, devil's advocate point would be through four weeks, our defense is ranked 30th for points allowed. Now, the Jacksonville game's a bit of an outlier and Bose has been injured, but that's still 30th in the league for points. What do you think about how the coaches are going? Do you think they're making our team better or, or worse than they should be given the talent? I'm, I'm probably a little less glass half full than Jack because I think even though there's a lot of meshing and cohesion that needs to occur when you have new systems, um, new players come into the team, still think with the people that we brought into the team, they're not nobodies. They're Super Bowl winning players. They've played at multiple teams. Uh, they do this. They get paid millions of dollars to come in and do this stuff. 30th in the league for points against is a damning stat. And that rawly hurts um, to see that, considering how we've all felt as Chargers fans heading in through the preseason, seeing all these signings, and then we go, damn, 
and all the chat and everything has just been ultra positive. So it does hurt uh, Rawley, but I, I do agree with Jack in that you do still need to maintain some level of, of patience just just to sort of, especially new seas, like I'm sort of going back on what I've just said, but mm. there is an element that you have to accept of that because we're four weeks into the season and we do have an outlier of a, of a shocking game. We had one of those last year. I think the year before we got smashed by the Patriots as well. Yep. Um, so that's not going back, man. Both things can be true. Exactly. Well, yeah, I, I just, I, I see there. It, I understand why people are disappointed. Um, you know, we all even said that we'd be going 12 and five at minimum and Jack's Jack's out of losses already. Jack's, <laughs> Jack's going. Jack was almost Jack's going. We're running way. the table yeah. from week five. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're running the table. We're climbing the hill. And oh, I love it. I love your positivity. Um, I'm not being a, a negative Nancy, but uh, maybe I'm more realistic. Uh, <laughs> now, nah, look, I I I trust in Brandon Staley, and I think that Joe Lombardi's showing that he's starting to make some changes. He's mm. obviously listening to the podcast and heard us beat the drum about how Josh Kelly should uh, get more snaps in the backfield. They kind of, I think I said earlier, they pulled him too early and gave it over to Michelle. But, you know, he's getting there. He's getting there, old Smoky Joe. Uh, one thing to think about this off, off air um, a little bit, and it was a big pickup for me, was uh, around the DeAndre Carter fumble, but also just the, the kick returning in general. You posted a great tweet um, or shared a great tweet about the four kicks that the, the Texans have employed a short kick approach to um, their returns. You know, only one of the four balls returned was short of a touch. Um, and DeAndre Carter's returns were 15 yards, 21. The third was 15 and the lost fumble. And then 17 yards. So he's not actually getting the ball past the 20 of those kicks and it's just it's not a necessary thing to do um he's he's more of a kind of gadgety returner and capable and you'd you know having safe hands but he's not a weapon he's not a return weapon um as you sort of want from a guy that you're going yeah go to all, all opportunities just take the you know herbert herbert can do 75 yards in two minutes mate like you just don't need to return that and losing the ball Pretty disappointing. Um, well, it's situational think... awareness, right? Take a knee. Yeah. Take a knee yeah. when you're up by 20 points in the third quarter. Unless you see some major hole, you've got to take a knee on those. Or unless the kick is like a pooch kick where it's just dropped, dropped short. That's just some of that situational awareness. That's a coaching teachable moment for DeAndre Carter, no doubt. They'll be speaking to him about that during the week in, in the coaches' lessons. Um, one thing it was good to see this week actually was the return of the old big ball Staley. And even if the schemes at the moment are like even if the schemes are struggling sometimes in second halves, what Staley did was call a critical fourth down in the fourth quarter where he goes, we're going for it. It's the fourth mm -hmm. quarter, five minutes, 23 remaining. Love at that it. stage, Chargers 27, Texans 24, fourth and one at the Chargers 45. So in our half, and just remember, for those critics out there listening, whenever it doesn't work, just remember this is one of those ones where it worked and possibly won us the game. Because that drive continued and then Eckler scored 
then the margin's 10 points, game over. If we punt yep. there, you're giving the ball back to the Texans down by three points, five minutes left. Who knows what happens in the game? So good on you, Brandon Staley. That was coaching and using analytics helping us. So, Alistair, let me just jump in there because it's a, I think it's maybe to sort of finish us off here then. Um, one of my questions was going to be to you is that is this after week four, we're through a quarter-ish of the season now, will we see Brandon Staley go back to what he was doing all throughout last year? Now, there is a line of thought to say that don't become too predictable. There's a whole season of Brandon Staley making these big ball calls and everyone goes, this is what he's going to do. Now within four weeks, we're going, well, what is he actually going to do? So there's less tape of the current team doing what was so successful for him last year. What do you think? That's a wonderful point. And I mean, potentially there's your advantage. If, if teams start thinking he might punt on fourth down and then you come up, you know, quick snap, off you go, you might convert one of them. So I hope it's a strategic thing. I think that personnel will weigh on his decision-making. So now that Bose is out and maybe JC Jackson was a little bit injured, you know, and, and, and in this game, the offense was rolling. So fourth and one, you're feeling good about getting that one yard. When the offense has only put up 10, 15 points and, exactly. you, you, and your defense is killing it, maybe that's where he punts. And I like that. It shows flexibility in his approach. I agree. I agree. Sweet. Well, I said at the top of the show that Al and I would be handing out awards in a, in Australia. Uh, we have this weird way of answering yes or no questions. Someone might say, "Hey, you going to the party later tonight?" Uh, yeah, nah, nah, I'm not going. But why? Why start yet? And similarly, if you're not, if you are going to do something, uh, nah, yeah, yeah, I think I will. So we've decided to hand out the yeah. And nah award for the worst player of the game, which I will do. And then after that, Al will hand out the Nah Yeah award for the best player of the game. So for me, there were a few, a few conditions for this. Uh, I was probably being a little bit harsh, uh, somewhat too obvious. Um, Kaimi Fairbairn's shank of a field goal attempt was right up there. And I almost wanted to really give it to JC Jackson for giving up on the, the chase down of Damien Pierce. But as I mentioned before, the situational awareness is a really massive point of this the game's in the balance 27 to 21 charges d looking nowhere at the time as uh houston would just starting to get a bit of bit of pressure going and clawing their way back deandre carter fumbles the kick return and gives them the ball back at the charges 16 yard line yeah nah not what you're here to do dc do not fumble the ball i like it I like it. That was would have probably been mine as well. Thankfully, there weren't too many yeah nahs this week. But I'll give you the old nah yeah. And my nah yeah award will go to Khalil Mack for the Khalil Mack sack on fourth and one just before the half. Because at that point, the score is 24 to 7 and it was a fourth down. And to get the sack there, it, in short, it became 27 to 7 because we went and scored. And in a game that actually ended up being closer than anyone would have liked... That's taking three points off the Texans and giving three points to us. So Khalil Mack, that was a sneaky, very important moment. And I loved your little, whatever yeah. that dance was, just over the quarterback's face with your big balls. So <laughs> Khalil, <laughs> Khalil Mack with the Nair Award. Nice. I uh, like it. Very good. All right, let's move right along to the week five preview. Just to touch on... Charges injury sheet and some stuff out of the press conferences. 
Keenan Allen seems to have re-aggravated his hamstring. He's not practicing and we do not know a time frame on his return. Justin Herbert seemed a lot more comfortable uh, and so did the offense with him adjusting to playing with the rib injury. Um, out of the game, Joshua Palmer left the game for a period, just got his ankle strapped up, as Coach Daly said, and he returned. But his um, practice was limited. Dustin Hopkins has got a bit of tightness in his quad, uh, so he only sort of trained half and uh, a bit of tightness in Carl Van Noy's back, as reported by the team. Otherwise, Donald Parham's trending, trending positive yeah. for a return. Um, and Big and addition, little, I reckon. Yeah, an awesome little locker room press conference with him, just how he kept sort of motivated and his role coming back into the team. And it's, it's going to be a great addition uh, to have Donald Parham if he can suit up. All right, so on the Cleveland Browns side of things, there is whispers that defensive end superstar Miles Garrett might be on the return from his car accident. So that might be a very interesting challenge for young Salia on the tackle. Um, other than that, few players rested. Uh, Njoku, Cooper, uh, guard Joel Batonio. Um, limited training for Denzel Ward with a back or rib injury. And Owusu Koromora, the linebacker, with groin trouble. Um, but other than that, uh, the press conferences, it was just great to see a, a, such a shift in Staley's demeanour coming out of that. Um, I know, you, you know, when you win and lose, they're two different things, but it was just awesome to see the swag is back. That little mm. just sort of, you know, the smirks and the... I'm not going to speak for Justin Herbert. He had an owie. He's like, ow, like his finger. I don't know. He's fine. It was just, it was relaxed. It was Southern California. Um, it was good to see. And like I said, a lot of positivity from Austin Eckler as well. Mm. Of course, he's three touchdowns on the day. Um, and, you know, they're just moving right along like they did last week from the, from the loss to Jacksonville. They're just, as soon as the game's over, celebrate. Game ball Jamari Salia. Game ball Austin Eckler. Yeah, yeah. Now we've got week five against the Cleveland Browns. So, Al, on that, do you want to get us a little bit of a wrap-up on the Browns' last loss? You know I do. So the Browns headed into, uh, are heading into this week 2-2. Two and two. Um, They've had wins against the Panthers and also the Steelers, and they lost in ridiculous fashion to the Jets and lost this week against the Falcons in Atlanta 23-20. The Falcons got out to a 10-point lead uh, for a couple of weird reasons. Jacoby Brissett failed on a fourth down early in the game in the red area. He just threw it out of bounds on fourth down. No worries. Um, and David Njoku had a bizarre fumble at Cleveland's own 20 where there was a flag on the play. The play carried on. It was already going to be a holding call. And then he's just run forward and they just stripped the ball out and Atlanta picked it up on a laughing. Poor situational awareness. All of a sudden, they're 10 points in the hole. Cordero Patterson scores. Yep. Now, credit for, to the Browns. They did start to come back, predominantly behind Nick Chubb, who was just playing out of his fucking mind. The guy's just absurd. If you let him get to the edge, he's, I cannot believe that guy. His 28-yard rushing touchdown in the second half was, go and watch it, Chargers fans, if you hadn't. It was that good. Um, Browns ended up having the lead. They were up 20-17 to 17 with about 10 minutes left. And then the Falcons just diligently ran the ball on them. And we'll get mm. into it, but they ran the ball very effectively, mainly behind their rookie, Tyler Algier, uh, out of BYU. But at the end of the game, 
You have the Falcons up by three points, the Browns driving with the ball, Brissett takes a sack he probably shouldn't on second and 15 from Grady Jarrett. I liked to see that. Grady got excited. And he then did. and then Brissett throws the game-ending interception on a third and 23, intended to David Bell, picked off by DeAndre Alford. And there you go. They lose the game to the Falcons in a game in which Mariota only had 19 pass attempts. And seven completions. Crazy. Uh, yeah, so, so I guess that, that's the snapshot of the game they just had. In terms of performers, it was really Chubb leading the way. And Joku had five catches for 73 yards. Um, a good interception to Denzel Ward on the defensive side of the ball. But they will be disappointed losing that game. They definitely had a chance to win. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, <clears throat> let's take a look at some of the Browns' strengths. Uh, their run game, obviously, sticks out like dog's balls. A lot of balls today in the show. A lot of Way ball too gear. much. Way too much ball gear. Uh, it's vicious, man. Their run game is crazy. Behind, what did you call them? Chunt? Cool. Got to be Chunt. careful letting that, letting that roll off your tongue. Uh, we've, we've given up big plays. We spoke about this. Uh, big touchdown plays. You just mentioned the glory of that 28-yard 20, TD score by, by Chubb. It's, um, it's a genuine concern uh, for me. Uh, if Miles Garrett is back... Um, who knows if he'll be Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett, or uh, like a guy just sort of been on the field for the sake of getting uh, him back on the on the field. Uh, but yeah, big test for Jamari Salia and either side, really. I think J- Davian Clowney still won't play. Um, well, he didn't practice this, uh, yesterday or Wednesday, so we'll see. What do you think about some of the Browns' strengths? Al, you got pretty involved in the watch. Yeah, well, their offensive line's amazing. I know, the run, I know the runners are special, but the offensive line's letting them do it. I mean, if you're just looking at grading, they don't have offensive linemen graded below 70, according to PFF. They, they are brilliant across the board. Uh, if there's, yeah, look, they only allowed seven pressures against Atlanta. They, they give Brissett a chance to operate. He holds the ball an awful long time too. So they, he really needs the protection and that... To me, on their offense, it's all around the running game and this offensive line. They're the two big strengths that I see. Uh, what about the defensive side of the ball, Jack? Oh, I mean, I I was going to touch on the offensive line. I mean, Betonio, Teller, Conklin, Wills, and Pochic. I have a feeling that that might be the best offensive line in the game. As you said, they're there. giving they're giving Brissett time. Uh, we'll touch on some things about Brissett. I will touch on some things about Brissett in a second. Um, just again, just generally, I just think they're just big. Like I was watching the game and I just looked at the I looked at the Browns and goes, geez, you're big. Amari Cooper's a big receiver. David Njoku's a big tight end. Brissett is Boy. a big quarterback. Yep. Uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they're just big. People's so, Jones, Bell, they're all big. Yeah, it's a big they're all team. sort of they're all sort of like um, sort of Geelong of the early two thousands or mid two thousands, I like to think. Um, or the Brisbane Lions of the early two thousands for our Australian listeners. Um, defensively. Denzel Ward hasn't had a great year. I don't think, even though he um, he picked up he picked off um, he picked off a pass last week. Um, you know, Javion Clowney and Miles Garrett are going to be difficult to contain. Um, and is it Perry and Winfrey? I think is mm. is is on that defense too. That's right. Um, who's, who's who's actually playing all right in, in that in that um, interior defensive line? Owusu Koromoa. We know the freak athlete that he is. And their secondary, as Staley alluded to, is deep. Man, there's John Johnson there. Denzel Ward, as I said before. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's this is this is going to be a tough game. Um, it's not going to be easy in cold Cleveland. Yeah, you mm. actually noticed that. A, 
some of the best coverage play that they've had is through their linebacking group. And I think you said earlier in the show, Al, that you know they've still got a great roster, but they they just haven't really been playing like it. Um, so hopefully they don't decide to shift that. Um, but yeah, that's the. I just think that if we can sort of take advantage of their underperforming secondary, um, it might help because it could be a, a really good test for our defensive line as well. So if we can't really get the pressure, then we need to make amends for it and stop celebrating ASJ, Asante Samuel. Stop celebrating tackles when you just let the guy get the first down on third and one. You don't dance and do your... No, you've left tackling before he gets past the line to gain. Clown. <laughs> uh, Laying down uh, what the do you think? Yeah, oh, man, that stuff shits me. Al, uh, what do you think uh, are some of the Browns' opportunity? Uh, sorry, there's some of the Chargers' opportunities to take advantage of um, this Cleveland team? Well, I think their wide receiving core is pretty weak. Um, Amari Cooper got shut down amazingly by AJ Terrell. And as, apart from him, they really have very little. They're, they're a team that struggles. Uh, they also struggle to stop the run a lot. Their linebackers and their defensive line, they're not really built to do it. They're, they're, I think they're 29th against the run um, in terms of yardage, and they've given up something like 4.7 yards per carry. The Falcons just ran it's through them at ease. It's another chance for us to really improve on the kind of gains we made against the Texans. Those are at least a couple of weaknesses that I see. There aren't that many because they're... A, they're a good team. They're pretty yeah. well coached. The fancy is aggressive. He goes for it on fourth down. On defense, they don't blitz a lot. They just sit back and play coverage. But they've got good personnel. They're a good team. Yeah. They are. Yeah, they are. Do you think and this I mean, is an opportunity? Sorry, Jack, mate. Um, that's do right. you think this, Al? Do you think this is an opportunity to suit up Isaiah Spiller with that yeah, run yeah. defense that they have? Yeah, Any yeah, issues using? Yeah. None at all. At this, at this point, I'd like him and JT Woods to get in any of these next three games just so they at least get their legs in them in one NFL contest before the bye. Because if we yeah. need them in the playoffs because there's an unexpected injury, it will be good if we know what's there instead of just having to throw them in at short notice. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's my answer to that. Sweet. Jack, what were you going to say, man? Yeah, I was just looking at... Um just Brissett and I started looking in some of the numbers and where he likes to throw and what he likes to do. So if I'm Brandon Staley, I'm going to, I'm using some of these numbers to perhaps think about my game plan. So I'll throw you some numbers. Um, over the last four weeks, it is very, very clear that Brissett does not like to pass anywhere over 10 yards. Um, his passing depth in terms of his throws, week one, it was 38.2% of the time he's throwing between zero and nine yards. Week two, it rose to 44 and a half. Week three and week four, he is throwing in that short yardage game over 50% of the time. Where are those throws going? They're going short center. So they're going between the numbers right in the heart of the defense. And then at 31.4%. So that's a very, very high number. He likes to look short over the middle. That's where a lot of the production's coming from. Mm. The next highest, the next highest where he's throwing to is short right. And when he complete when he throws to short center last week, he completed 81.8 of his throws. To the right, he's completing 80%. So if I'm Staley, I'm trying to take away the middle of the field, short and to his right, because the numbers across the rest of the field are quite poor. 
Um, the fact that he holds the ball a long time, yet doesn't throw deep balls, should tell us something, which means that our linebackers are going to have to play hard. They're going to have to be in the middle. They're going to have to uh, clog up the middle, make Njoku, make Cooper, make Donovan Peoples-Jones earn those catches over the middle. Because to be honest, Brissett's not doing much else. When he's throwing outside the numbers... It's his his passer rating is very very low, which is mm. we kind of knew that about Brissett. He's uh he does things well. Um, he's not really a passing quarterback, but I'm forcing him out to throw outside the numbers. I'm playing uh, inside leverage, which is pushing the wide receivers out towards the sideline and not getting beat inside. That would be um, that's something that I uh, was thinking about. Maybe a game plan that what we should be seeing. That's fantastic. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. And they're, they're areas that, like you said, it's just a, it's, it's a play recognition. Even if the play calls a blitz and you recognise that because they're doing the same thing that they've done, delivering a ball over the middle, because undoubtedly they're going to get some of those completions and those completions in the flat as well, because that's sort of like our soft spot, I guess. Um, especially when we're sending six and not picking up that recognition, losing our linebackers to that and having a deeper coverage we've got to recognize that he's not gonna we don't need that deeper shell um and and look to actually compress the field to them and you know th- uh, give them the opportunity to try and extend the field he's not a what's, he's not a big time thrower what's actually incredible is that when you look at his when you look at the numbers he has thrown it behind the line of scrimmage so it so behind the line of scrimmage in the center he's 11 11 for 99 yards to his left He's five of five for thirteen. He, sorry, to his right, I should say. He doesn't throw to his left on the flat. He just doesn't. Chances are he's a right-handed quarterback. I get that. But the left-hand side of the field for um, for Jacoby Brissett is not good. So um, as I said, it's that middle and right-hand side that a lot of the focus has got to be on. God, shoot, e- shoot an email to Staley. Let him know just in case they <laughs> missed that little wrinkle. Um, I Maybe moving on to keys to victory. I think this is one of those teams that you establish a lead early and you've got a good chance to win. Because the way they like to play is running the ball kind of ground and pound. And you force them out of their comfort zone, as you've just explained, Jack. Brissette's not necessarily built to come back and play from behind. A bit like what they used to say about the Ravens last year, right? Except their quarterback is in a few tiers, maybe five tiers below Lamar Jackson. So that's at least one important key to victory. Um, I'd also be attacking Jedrick Wills as much as I can. If I think there's any weak link in that offensive line, I think it's him. It's him, him. yeah. He does. He is prone to some pressure, so I would put Mac on that side as much as possible and kind of leave Rumpf uh, and whoever else. I saw Derek Tusker had a few snaps too, didn't do too much. Maybe leave them to battle it out with Jack Conklin to no avail. <laughs> Andy? Nice. Uh, I think the importance in establishing the run game early, we looked really dangerous on RPOs and play actions last week, and we we got into that well because we were able to get the run game generating. So with this run defense, and if, you know, if those secondary players just aren't going to step up again, then we could really take advantage of this defense and show that it doesn't matter what it is on paper, it's all about what it is on the field. So uh, up-tempo offense and, you know, just just start getting the rhythm with the guys. Donald Parham back's a big, big improvement, able to sort of stretch the field, catch the red zone threat, sideline. It's good. I have a, I have a feeling, I have a feeling that this is a Derwin Pittsburgh game. 
Ooh, I yeah. just have I just have a feel it's it's going to be a little bit cold, maybe a little bit windy. You know, um, I have a feeling that he's going to have a incredible game because I mean you've got to cover. You know, JC Jackson hopefully hopefully can shut down Cooper Callahan or Davis maybe playing on Njoku. They might be a little bit too small, so we might be seeing Derwin James playing uh, in the slot against the tight end a little bit. But I have a feeling that Brissett's going to throw one and Derwin James is going to go yoink and it's going to be pick six, baby. Derwin James eight. Tackles, leads the day, wins the game for us. Come on, DJ. I love you, mate. I love <laughs> I think what, what we've also got to remember, Chargers fans, don't expect Mike Williams to go off for 185 yards, two touchdowns like he did last year. Because last year he had Keenan playing next to him with 75 yards. I think now he's going to have Denzel Ward, Manu Imano the whole game, and they're going to do maybe what the Jags did to us. They're going to shut him down. So this is why it's a little concerning to hear Josh Palmer's might be sore on his ankle. I would have thought mm. this is a big game for him to step up. But, you know, Carter and Everett have been so good so far. Maybe we, it's enough and we can win with those guys if Palmer can't quite go. Yep. God, oh, this is an important game, boys. Staley's homecoming too. He's an Ohio boy. Um, yeah. He used to go to that stadium as a boy or a different kind of iteration of the stadium anyway. He's a local. He'll be pumped. It's going to be a great game. Can't wait for this one. Yeah, I'm excited too. All right, predictions. Chargers keep improving. 31, Cleveland 20. Oh, nice. I'm going to go Justin Herbert throws for four touchdowns and we only kick one field goal because Staley's being uber aggressive and if you putting get the Stefanski... Here, oh, mate. Putting, putting <laughs> Stefanski uh, in his place. I'm going Chargers 31, Browns 23. Did Ooh. the numbers. I did 31 the numbers. to 23. 31 um, to 23, yeah. Also going to go the Chargers, and I think Herbert is about to break the record for potentially for most consecutive games, throwing for over 300 yards, surpassing Rich Gannon, potentially. Uh, I'll go Chargers win in a short one, 27 to 24. Close game. They're going to have to fight hard. I'm worried that Chubb and Hunt are going to have their moments. We're going to have to grind this out. Three and two. We're all feeling a lot better about this season despite the injuries. Come on, boys. Yep, I agree with you. And, oh, we haven't said it, but can can Nas Adderley just get his head out of his ass a little bit? Mm. Like, got that pick, but that was a gimme. Mate, it's what, you, it's what you're not doing. It's what you're missing. Just get your head out of your ways. Love you, buddy. All right. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week. Oh, I just needed to say that. I had it in capital letters, and I go, whack. oh, yeah. Just one more whack. Uh, thanks for joining us again this, this week, guys. We look forward to a, a cracking game against the Browns. Hopefully another W for the Chargers. Uh, we'll see you next time on the pod. Take see it you easy. Later. See you later. Uh- Firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it, 6 and 10, 5, high step, 